correct our minds, prepare our minds, and sharpen our minds for the week to come. We don't know what is in store for us this week, but we know that God not only is already there, He'll meet us there. He'll meet us there. Let's go to God in prayer, please. Heavenly Father, hallowed be your great and amazing name. It's amazing to think about your plan, your scheme of redemption. From the days of eternity, you decided to make us. But making us, you knew that we would sin. And so, you, Lord God, prepared a plan to save us. That we wouldn't die lost because of our sins. And we're so thankful to you and indebted to you for your foresight, your foreknowledge, and for your amazing love and compassion. Thank you, Lord God. We thank you for your love and compassion that's bestowed upon each and every one of us individually. And we just ask that you will help us never to take you for granted. We thank you for Jesus, for that amazing sacrifice. We thank you for your wonderful Holy Spirit, whom you sent to seal us to the day of redemption. And we ask, Lord God, that you will please guide us in all that we say and do. These things we pray and thank you for in that wonderful name of Jesus Christ. To be thy will. Amen. Deuteronomy tonight. We're going to this very simple subject. Uh, but I think it has such a profound meaning behind it. What happened to the body of Jesus? Um, a question that as Christians we would say, well, yeah, we, we already know what happened to the body of Jesus. I want to go through this in such a way to where um, you can undeniably believe without a shadow of a doubt that Jesus' body uh, was treated uh, properly and that he truly rose from the dead in prayers to build our confidence or at least to renew it again. So, Satan would love to have had the body of Moses. Deuteronomy 34, verses 5 and verse 6, he wanted the body. Why did Satan want the body? The Bible says in verse 5, So Moses, the servant of the Lord, died there in the land of Moab, according to the word of the Lord. And he buried him in the valley in the land of Moab, opposite Beth Peor. But no man knows his burial place to this day. And during this time, please turn to Jude verse 9, there was a a conversation that occurred that we're not told about in uh, the earlier book, but we're told later in this text in Jude verse 9. And it says, But Michael the archangel... When he disputed with the devil and argued about the body of Moses, did not dare pronounce against him a railing judgment, but said, the Lord rebuke you. And so that physical body, that meant something. Satan wanted that body of Moses. And that body of Jesus means something to us as God's people. Turn to Luke chapter 23, please. It means something to us. And it has to mean something to us, for it is the foundation of our Christian hope that we have in Christ Jesus our Lord. So, at his death, you'll find that they followed all the customs of the Jews. That's important. Luke 23, beginning at verse 50, the Bible says, And behold, a man named Joseph, who was a member of the council, a good and righteous man, 
he had not consented to their plan and action, a man from Arimathea, a city of the Jews, who was watching, or excuse me, waiting for the kingdom of God. This man went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus, and he took it down and wrapped it in a linen cloth and laid him in a tomb cut into the rock where no man had ever lain. So he took that body, turned to John 19, and he wrapped it up according to their custom. He didn't grab some anonymous body, but rather the body of Jesus Christ. And so tenderly and delicately dealt with it or handled it. And then John 19, beginning at verse 39, there the Bible says, And Nicodemus came also, who had first come to him by night, bringing a mixture of mere uh, and alloys, about a hundred pounds weight. And so they took the body of Jesus and bound it in linen wrappings with the spices, as is the burial custom of the Jews. Notice, turn to Matthew 27. He wasn't alone. Right? There were people who were with him, eyewitnesses. And in Matthew 27, when they come to the tomb, beginning at uh, verse 57, there the Bible says, And when it was evening, there came a rich man from Arimathea named Joseph, whom himself had also become a disciple of Jesus. This man went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. Then Pilate ordered it to be given over to him. And Joseph took the body and wrapped it in a clean linen cloth, and he laid it in his own new tomb, which he had hewn out in the rock. And he rolled a large stone against the entrance of the tomb and went away. And Mary Magdalene was there and the other Mary sitting opposite the grave. And so again, he wasn't alone when he closed the tomb up. Mark, please, chapter 16. It was his own tomb. He was a good and righteous man. So he wouldn't have proposed a lie to the world, but rather took the very body of Jesus that he personally cared for and handled and, and laid it inside of that tomb that he had hewn out himself. Beginning at verse 1 of Mark chapter 16. And when the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of James and Salome, brought spices that they might come and anoint him. And very early on the first day of the week, they came to the tomb when the sun had risen, and they were saying to one another, who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance of the tomb? And looking up, they saw that the stone had been rolled away, although it was extremely large. And so again, they were there when the stone was rolled over, if you will, the tomb. Matthew 27. And their concern was, when we come there, who are we going to be able to get to roll the stone away for us? But when they got there, it was already moved. In Matthew 27, in verse 64, the Bible says, Therefore, give orders for the grave to be made secure until the third day, lest the disciple come and steal him away and say to the people, He has risen from the dead, and the last deception will be worse than the first. Pilate said to them, You have a guard. Go, make it as secure as you know how. And they went and made the grave secure, and along with the guard, they set a seal on the stone. Now, I want you to think for just a moment. As the Pharisees were so concerned, the Sanhedrin were so concerned about this, 
this so-called deception that the body of Jesus would be stolen away and the disciples would say that he rose from the dead. Do you think for one moment that they allowed Joseph of Arimathea to have that body and Nicodemus and others who were with him and not follow them? Do you think for one moment they would allow that body to be out of their sight? Do you think that when they arrived at the tomb and they went in and they noticed the body of Jesus, do you not think they would have investigated first to make sure before they sealed that tomb that Jesus was secure to make sure that no conspiracy happened? Because they wanted this thing, this mission, this idea, this thought, they wanted it dead forever. And again, in verse 66, And they went and made the grave secure, and along with the guard, they set a seal on the stone. Now, obviously, they wouldn't have sealed a stone without a grave, without a body inside, right? Inside the tomb. Rather, they would have investigated first. And then in chapter 28, in verse 4, And the guards shook for fear of him and became like dead men. The guards saw something. But I want you to notice in this point, there was more than one guard. Okay? I want you to know there are more than one guard. So they go up, they investigate, they ensure the body is inside of the tomb. There is more than one guard who's watching over this. The Sanhedrin has sent delegates to go and make sure the body of Jesus was inside of that tomb. And then in verse 11 of Matthew 28, the Bible goes on to say, Now they, while they were on their way, behold, some of the guard came into the city and report uh, to report to the chief priest all that had happened. Again, some of the guard. I just want you to realize that there's more than one guard. Luke 24. Luke 24. Beginning at verse, uh, verse 1. There was no way that Jesus Christ could have escaped. In other words, there was no way that, that they could have found a way, the Jews, to, to get in there and get that body out of that tomb. It was impossible. In Luke 24, beginning at verse 1. But on the first day of the week, at early dawn, they came to the tomb, bringing the spices which they had prepared. And they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. Now the question I ask you is this. Was the body there? Yes, it was there. Yes, it was there. Do you believe that the body was there? Well, yes, it was there. So then where did it go? What happened to the body of Jesus? Turn back to Matthew 27. Matthew 27 and verse, uh, verse 65. Matthew 27 and verse 65. Pilate said to them, you have a guard. Go make it as secure as you know how. This was not the first time that they had sealed up something. There were rules and mandates and laws. Life for life. You go make it as secure as you know how. They investigated. The body was there. And they come back. And the stone is rolled away. And the body is gone. And there's no way the apostles or, or, or Nicodemus or, or the ladies or Arimathea, Joseph, would have done anything else to the body. For it was investigated. And it was there. And now, it's gone. Did a thief steal it? If so, how did he, or they, if you will, go along and, 
and unseal the tomb and, and roll away the stone and steal the body out without the guards knowing. Matthew 28 and verse 2. And behold, a severe earthquake had occurred for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled away the stone and sat upon it. And his appearance was like lightning and his garment as white as snow. And the guards shook for fear of him and became like dead men. Look back at verse 1, Matthew 28. Now after the Sabbath, as it had began to dawn toward the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to look at the grave. So the guards stood in awe. Look at verse 5 and verse 6. And the angel answered and said to the women, Do you not, do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who has been crucified. He is not here. For he has risen just as he said, come see the place where he was lying. Come take a look for yourself. And they go in. Luke 24, please. In verse 12, they go in. And when they go in, what is it that the ladies saw? Luke 24 and verse 12, the Bible picks up this account and it says, But Peter rose and ran to the tomb, stooping and looking in. He saw the linen wrappings only, and he went away to his home, marveling at that which had happened. Now, may I ask you a question? If you were a thief and you were going to steal the body, or you were one of the apostles and you were going to steal the body, would you take the time to unwrap the body inside the tomb? Or would you grab the body and run as fast as you could? What happened to the body of Jesus. Turn back to John, please. Chapter 20. John chapter 20. Let's read the entire account of that. Verses 1 through verse 8. John 20, beginning at verse 1. Now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came early to the tomb while it was still dark and saw the stone had already been taken away from the tomb. And so she ran and came to Simon, Peter, and to the other disciples whom Jesus loved and said to them, they have taken away the Lord, out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. Peter therefore went forth, and the other disciples, and they were going to the tomb. And the two were running together. And the other disciple ran ahead faster than Peter, and came to the tomb first. And stooping and looking in, he saw the linen wrappings lying there, but he did not go in. Simon Peter therefore also came following him and entered the tomb and he beheld the linen wrappings lying there and the face cloth which had been on his head not lying with the linen wrappings but rolled up in a place by itself so the other disciple who had first come to the tomb entered there also and he saw and believed so so imagine so the thief goes in and he unwraps the body of Jesus and then he takes the face cloth and rolls it up. And then he takes the face cloth and removes it from the other linen wrappings and places it over. It doesn't make any sense. The body of Jesus was not stolen. The guards were always present. The guards shook for fear. The guards saw the angels appear. And the guards knew there was absolutely nothing that they could do. And the guards knew that Jesus rose from the dead. Do you believe that? Matthew 28. 
Matthew 28. The only possible, logical answer to what happened to the body of Jesus Christ is that Jesus Christ rose from the dead. Do you happen to know of anyone besides Jesus who rose from the dead? Can you think of any human on the earth that died and rose from the dead? Can you think of any idol God that, obviously that's impossible because they're not even gods. You realize how significant this is? And as uh, Brother James brought out this morning, that the idea of this, this triumphant joy that we're supposed to have, where did our joy go? I mean, we look back and we see that Jesus rose from the dead. And that we don't have to fear death. And that heaven exists and is real. And that God came and, and, and brought to us salvation. And that we win and we are victorious. What happened to our joy? No one else has ever risen from the dead. But our God has. And in Matthew 28, beginning about verse 5, And the angel answered and said to the woman, Do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who has been crucified. He is not here. He has risen, just as he said. Come, see the place where he was lying. Go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. And behold, he is going before you into Galilee, And there you will see him. Behold, I have told you. And they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy. And ran to report it to his disciples. And behold, Jesus met them and greeted them. And they came up and took hold of his feet and worshipped him. And then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and take word to my brethren to leave for Galilee. And there they shall see me. Now, while they were on the road, on the way, behold, some of the guards came into the city and reported to the chief priests all that had happened. And when they had assembled with the elders and counseled together, they gave a large sum of money to the soldiers and said, You are to say, his disciples came by night and stole him away while we were asleep. And if this should come to the governor's ears, we will win him over and keep you out of trouble. And they took the money and did as they had been instructed. And this story was widely spread among the Jews and is to this day. Do you believe the rumor? Or do you believe the facts? And so my question to you, all of that to bring us to this. How many people this week will you tell about the resurrection? The amazing, spectacular event that occurred on this earth that we live on about 2,000 years ago. How many people, how excited will you be this week and for the rest of the days of your life on this earth to think about this great and amazing resurrection of our Lord for everything in life hinges upon the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And you know, one thing about this account, 
The fact that the guards took the money is evidence alone because they're so human, aren't they? You're going to give me a large sum of money and you're going to keep me out of trouble if I just say they stole his body? I'm in. Which one do you believe? Which story? And if you believe the story about Jesus, the account of what the Bible tells us, how will your life exemplify the life of Jesus from this point forward? In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, we'll begin at verse 1. This is such a basic, elementary lesson. But such a powerful and profound one. Jesus got up. Verse 1. Now I make known to you, brethren, the gospel which I preached to you, which also you received, and which also you stand, by which also you are saved, if you hold fast the word which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. That he was buried and he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. And that he appeared to Cephas and then to the twelve. And after that he appeared to more than 500 brethren at one time, most of whom remain until now. But some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, and last of all, as it were, one untimely born. He appeared to me also. And what will happen when we leave this earth is we will appear before him. What a great joy we have as God's people. We can celebrate. We can celebrate everything about life because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. What do you believe about what happened to the body of Jesus Christ? Do you believe the facts that have been laid out and the evidence that's presented Or do you believe the lies of the world that says there is no God? Sad thing is, a lot of people today believe there is no God. I pray, God, that you will not allow your mind to be deceived and to believe such false teachings, but rather that you'll believe the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. The lesson is yours. I pray that if someone tonight uh, has a need, if we can help in any way, if you are not a child of God and you would like to surrender to God in the waters of baptism, the doors are always open. The opportunity is before you. And I pray, God, that you will listen to Jesus and you will obey the gospel call. God bless each and every one of you.